360 degrees. Ha ha, 360 degrees. Ha ha, 306, 306, 360 degrees. Ha ha. Broadcasting live from Beijing, occupied Omoni territory, also known to settlers as the East Bay Area, this is Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I'm your host tonight, Sharon Peterson. Tonight, we aim our laser eye at our great economy, or is it so great? Spoiler alert, you know the answer to that. Anyway... Tonight, we look at where we really are, how we got here and have stayed here, and most important, how can we nonviolently fight for change? And we'll get a heads up on the upcoming May Day actions and the First Voice collaboration with Workweek Radio to bring you live reporting on May Day. All that coming up on Full Circle. Stay with us. Welcome again to Full Circle. Tonight, we'll get a glimpse of how our great economy works for real people. But first, I want to let you know about Pacifica's International May Day event. May 1st was the first Labor Day. On Wednesday, May 1st, rallies and actions are happening around the world, and First Voice is part of the action. That's May 1st on kpfa.org and Facebook Pacifica Radio May Day broadcast. More about this later in the show. Our guest this evening is Kalio Akakar. I met him at the Poor People's Hearing on April 6th. He has some reality to share with us. We'll also hear other voices and stories from the hearing, which was hosted by the California Poor People's Campaign as part of this month's tour of eight cities across the state. Links to the Poor People's Campaign and other links will be posted on our website at kpfaapprentice.org. Welcome to KPFA, Kaleo. Welcome to First Voice. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time um, you guys give me to speak on on some very important issues. I'm, uh, I'm an Oakland resident. I've been in Oakland for for a long time uh, with my mother. Um, my mother and I come from um, from different cultures, and uh, particularly, I guess, the way I was brought up was a uh, a bit different than um, than most families. My mother comes from um, from Mexico, and and she uh, she's had a really um, tough experience, um, and I've I've shared that experience with her seeing her um you know really fight for 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 survival and to try to strive in a country that um always likes to say um or um, kind of promote the american dream and uh, my mother was a or is a very hard-working woman and she she did the most she could um uh when she was crossing um over to this country um yeah, I was born, and uh, and she didn't really know what to expect. Um, but you know, given her um, 
quick thinking and in, uh, in her drive, she came up to over here um, to the Bay Area, where she really showed me um, and implemented a lot of a lot of her her upcomings. Uh, she, you know, always told me be be faithful, um, try as much as you can to to believe and and have faith, and um, and she showed me that without. Um, I guess uh, the opportunities that most of people have, you know, she was able to sell her, sell cars, go to auctions, and um, she was able to have me and my little brother, and and we eventually pretty much learned uh, learned how to how to really think uh, think what uh, what I guess was the word what I'm looking for entrepreneurship, you know, think outside the box, and um, so she was a she just was successful. She was in the fixing and selling. Oh yeah, our business. Um, did things change? Things changed uh, because, like uh, this, you know, this country tends to do over and over um, is to really um, oppress a lot of dreams, a lot of um, a lot of um, progressiveness, and um, we went through some bad times. She fell into to addictions and she fell into family feuds and trauma but uh, most of all what really you know shocked me is that she was able to get her own house and you know she with with her hard work and my name she was able to 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 have a, a really good house we were we were living pretty pretty well and then the recession came and uh, she tried as much as she could to um, sustain that type of life, but uh, it just all went down. We lost uh, someone in the family, and that didn't really contribute a lot to to what we were trying to do. And uh, these la- next couple of years that came was just, you know, was hard. My brother never really got to finish uh, high school. Um, he, he and I were in the street for a while, and uh, my mom, well, she was she was deported, and. It was just, you know, one thing after another. But, you know, she, one thing that was always constant in my life w- with my mother is that through the good and the bad, you know, she was always there. And, uh, she, she eventually came back. And, uh, at that time, I had a little girl and I was hoping to, to have everything in order. But, so how, how was she able to come back? Um, your mother. She was able to come back, um, mainly, um, through, like, my father was, uh, was a, was a coyote. He, um, he brought people here. He, um, he, you know, he didn't care. He, he knew what was, what was right. And, and, um, I guess from my knowledge now, the, the struggles that happen in other countries are the same struggles that happen here. There's always those that are um, that have the most uh, influence and power, and uh, and just you know that always try to submit other folks. But doesn't that doesn't stop people? That uh, if anything, that pushes them to do even more. And um, and so my mother, you know, is pretty much um, um, she has a lot of friends. So, um, how have you fared? How have you and your family, your mother, well, fared since the recession? Well, um, if anything, with uh, all the experiences she's given me, is um, she gave me a lot of progressiveness. Um, she was 
an active member of AA, and she was able to get folks off the street that uh, were deep in addiction and family traumas. And she used her bad experiences to help others. And she made she helped make a lot of AAs um, in the Bay Area. And so I would always be there with her in the, in the AAs. I remember going up to the little podium that they have, and you know, just say I'm addicted to chips and soda, and and just liven up the mood there. And and I got to hear other folks' experience. You know, folks that lost families, lost jobs, and ended up in the situation that they are, or were in, and um, and that I guess helped me to understand a lot of folks in in my society, in my in in my culture too, um, that this problem that um, I guess the homeless problem comes or stems a lot from from family, stems a lot from financial issues, stems a lot from from um, trauma. I, I I tend to see homelessness now is more more like an addiction. The longer you're homeless, the harder it is to get back into the society, which is why we need programs like let's say AA, or we need programs like like the village. I'm I'm an active member of the village, um, which is a organization that tries to help um all homeless folks within the bay area we've tried many times to to house folks and show them how to build a house from scratch kind of giving them a trade and um we've you know provided a lot of resources for folks in in tough situations and um i guess you know since i was a child i was always deep into um finding a solution to to homelessness and um my mother she implemented a lot of things she'd always get me to read whether it be the bible whether it be aa uh, books and that kind of instilled in me to read um a lot more than that and i guess that really um helped me understand folks from from different perspectives whether it be um um, higher class in mine or, or lower or in my own situation and what I tend to see is that at least within my own culture there's a division you know there's always that feud you know he got more or she got less and and that's that is not um, excluded just from my culture it's within all cultures there's that division and we need more unity we, we need more communities to to get together and we we most definitely need the the, the administration of whatever city you're in to, to really you know help out as much as possible right so 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 many groups uh, there's basically maybe one uber group over group yes that is pushing all of us down but in different ways and we have to learn how to talk yes. together understand each other and work together correct um so i met you at uh, the poor people's hearing on april 6th yeah and um I listened to you speak, and I was very impressed. And um, what brought you to that particular group? Uh, What uh, brought you to the Um, People's Campaign of California? What really brought me was was hearing all the other stories. Um, I work with not just the village, but... um, I guess I've worked with um, the fast food campaign that helped raise the minimum wage in the barrier. I've helped with um, ACE, Alliance for California Community Empowerment, which helps to prevent evictions as much as possible. And um, and I've also worked with the village. I've worked with um, a street-level project, which helps um, 
uh, labor workers and families that don't know how to reach out to resources. So I guess all those groups, all those communities that I've been working with were the ones that, you know, let me know about this campaign, which is in reality the same thing. You know, I've been fighting for a, a living wage. I've been fighting for, um, you know, affordable housing. I've been fighting for, for homeless folks. And in reality, it's the same thing. And I think that's one of the crucial things that most organizations need to realize that we are all fighting the same fight and we need to get together and and that's how we we make true power that's how we show true community and is uh getting together and so i guess um within my community i was told about that place okay this is Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. We've been speaking with Kaleo Akakar, who will return to tell more of his story and share some great sound with us. But first, a short music break. Do something with your life. Do something with your life. Do something with your life. With your life. We broke down. Say hello to palm trees and benzes. They say you gotta fall, but I have it all. Yeah. And we don't want two kids and a wife. I don't want a job, I just want a life. Sometimes the underdogs rise and the mighty fall. He does. I just want to give you some real advice. Never take candy from a stranger. And keep your eyes open for danger. Cause this right here is a twisted paradise.
This is Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM, and we are going to return to a conversation with Khalil Akhtar, local activist, and a person with his own story, and some music. Khalil, um, so to get a little more yeah. personal, um, you're how old, if you may? I'm currently 30 years old right now. 30. So still quite young. I feel old. <laughs> Understood. Um, how are things going now with you and your family today? Well, well now things are, are, are getting much better. My mother is, is doing really good at, in, in her recovery. Um, I've been taking her into a steady routine of um, going to church, going to these AA meetings, and going to the gym. That has been kind of a, a thing that she used to do when I was when I was a kid, and so I felt like maybe getting her back into that same routine would would help. You know, when she was in a better position, but. Like I said, she's doing much better now. She's really great. That is wonderful to hear. And you, you are an extremely devoted son. So kudos and Thank deep you. respect. Thank you. Um, so, uh, and has your housing situation improved? Um, it's definitely improved from when I when I, a couple couple months back. I have, um, I had a, a roof on my uh, on my head so to speak um and i have a car which allows me to to look for work and that's kind of what i've been doing right now i've been going out to encampments and trying to help other folks in the same situation you know we've been trying to find um some common ground and how to motivate other folks to to see the hope <laughs> and um i understand uh, that uh you have a little bit of vocal oh, yeah. styling you want to show us? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I, all through my um, organizing, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things was, was um, the the hip-hop, you know, was uh, getting folks into into the words because uh, word, um, words have power. And um, like those before me, I'm an army. Like those before me, I'm an army. I'm as keen as you heard, as loud as a word, but silent as your very own nerve to better observe the will and the won't, the fake and the funk, the break after the taunt. So in other words, tread lightly. The lion just might be right beside thee with an earshot of your weak heart and mind and soul and rhyme like, tell me where you was. Tell me where you was when I was fighting the rich, when I was building a home for my kin, taking my brother's hunger like it was never coming again, politicking with these crooks and politicians which in reality doesn't make a lick of difference I'ma heal these wounds that started from the womb Breaking the chains that was placed on my ancestors' pain Disrupting the foresight like a native spitting on a mic Instead we got a foreign burnt Cheeto lookalike <laughs> And so that's kind of, you know I'm, I'm trying to, to, to improve more on my music um, <laughs> uh, But yeah, I try to do as best as I can Excellent, excellent um, So I understand you... Um I think you were telling me before we got on the air that you had worked in the fast food industry. Yeah, yeah. And you'd also worked to try to improve the fast food industry. Yeah. Uh, did those two clash? Well, yes. There was, uh, there's, you know, in, in the work uh, force, there's always feuds and disagreements. And uh, I think that's one of the, the good and bad things about organizing is you learn to defend yourself. You learn to know your rights and where, you know, something is right and wrong. And I 
I think that was one of my um, major things. I, I learned to be a little bit more outspoken, and uh, I've always clashed with my employers. But that's not to say that there aren't good ones, because just like there, you know, there were some bad ones. There were some good ones. Some some really um, good folks that uh, I would always. You know, anytime they need me to work, uh, I know that they're good for it. Um, I've worked in fast food. I've worked in, um, I've worked in Pixar. I've worked in, in janitorial. I've worked in construction. I've worked in a lot. So, you know, this is, um, to say that there are good employers, but, you know, there's always a good and the bad and not, um, to always get stuck on one thing, you know, just always strive to do, to more, to do more and better. Um, and it's always good to be educated about your rights. Um, that's one of the biggest things. I did see improvements over the years. I saw a lot of my friends who who stuck it in the fast food, and and they're they're doing much better. They're getting paid, but you know, yet again, the cost of living is uh, difficult over here in the Bay Area. But you know, there's always room for improvement. And the, what was the name of the uh, fast food the movement the, the organization again? The fast food um, was called. Uh, East Bay Organizing Committee, but um, that one eventually changed to the Fight for 15. And I'm pretty sure, I think through the Bay Area, a lot of people um, know about them. They've been helping out when, in the ports and and, uh, and in all types of um, workforce. And so they're still active to this day. So any, anybody who needs information on, on their rights or need help, I would recommend them to, to Fight for 15. I bet they'll be present at uh, the May Day event oh, yes. in Oakland on, on May 1st. Oh, yeah. Um, I was actually present on, uh, I think, 2015. I, I had um, performed there as well as um, helped organize um, some actions here in Berkeley. And uh, it was one of the greatest experiences because that's when you you got to see that it wasn't just, you know, a couple folks in the Bay Area. It was huge. It was like, it was massive. I can't remember. I think it was like 2,000, 3,000 folks got together that day. And um, it's a beautiful sight to see, you know, unity. So, Excellent. So now, Kaleo, he promised to share an instrumental with us. Can you tell us a little bit about it before we start? Yeah. Uh, a little bit about uh, the inspiration and... Yeah, um, so, um, like I mentioned before, I've um, been in, in many tough situations, and I um, think the only thing that really um, helped me was, was music, and my mother, she was the one that got me into into guitar, and um, through the times that my mother and I have been um, under a bridge or wherever, um, it always helped, and especially in the rain, and I, there's a song that I would always play, and you could... I, I, I guess you could say you could almost hear the rain in the song, and I especially when when there was actual rain outside, it it would sound really nice. Um, but there's no rain right now, so here I'll uh, let you guys hear it for for as, as much as I'm inspired. Kaleo Akkar.
That was our guest, Kaleo Akakar. This is Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. And thank you very much for the music of the rain. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Did, it's, so you actually played this out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, especially, you know, with um, the situations I was dealing with, um, just, you know, when the stress would really get to you and you get so anxious and you'd get angry, I'd just grab the guitar and just start playing. I'd be playing for, for that song could go on for hours, and uh, it really it would help a lot. You know, I think that's one of the greatest things my mom showed me was music was able to calm you in whatever situation you're dealing with. And um, so I thank my mother for, you know, giving me that, that um, opportunity and gift um, to learn that. That's wonderful. So she was a musician or is a musician herself? No, my father was a musician, and she just wanted to make sure that uh, if I was interested to to learn it. Well, that's very generous. It, you know, not a, yeah. not everybody's able to perceive that need. Oh yeah, and she was smart. Like she she didn't just buy me a guitar. She wanted to make sure I wanted to. She bought me a book, and she was like, "All right, if you're really interested, you'd stay reading that book." And and I was really interested. So, <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any musical or? other career plans once you get above that hump yeah yeah I, you know um my brother I, w- I was able to get my brother into into hip-hop and you know i've been trying to get him on the guitar but he's um he's not as attentive to that yet um but he is man he's he he can freestyle he's he's a really good musician um but um, he's young, and I want him to be prepared for, you know, what comes when you're a good musician. And I just don't want, want that gift to go to his head. I just want him to have a steady mind, to know what he wants, and if he really wants that. And uh, But he's a talented musician. I guess um, I, um, what I want is I definitely want music, and I definitely love activism. One of the, I mean, ah, man, it just, I remember when, when I was marching in May Day um, in uh, 2015, and I was able to get a lot of young folks um, in fast food, and, you know, they started, you know, coming into to music um, also, and then it's, I mean, it's, music is so powerful when you could really mm-hmm. change a lot of things, and I really want to make sure I, I implement that in my music, um, so I kind of want to stay true to what I grew up in and what, what, what I grew up in, which was um, this activism. You know, my mom would always go into pick up folks that are dealing with addictions. And I eventually, in a in, in somewhat similar way, went out and did the same. You know, whether it be folks with addictions, folks that are dealing with, you know, life struggles. Um, it's the same thing. And uh, I just want to make sure my music stays, you know, focused on that as well. Uh, so at this point, it, um, listening to your story, and I'm going to editorialize a little bit, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, yeah. what I'm seeing is precisely the type of family that actually built this country being battled against by this country. Yeah. Um, you you work very hard. That's you right. come back from um, some crushing blows. Yeah, he's still creative, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and just resourceful and and flexible. And that, to me, that's exactly who we want populating this country. And 
Uh, I learned that from my mom. Like she, she was always resourceful. I mean, I, I can't, and you know, even try to explain like what she's done. And you know, she grew up in a in a difficult family, but she made sure she did the best. And no matter what, whatever her family treated her or her friends, she always came back with with love. She one thing she always tells me: anytime someone does something wrong to you, if you're gonna hit back, hit back with a white glove. And she's always, you know, don't don't respond with hate because that's only gonna end up the same way. Change what uh, what they give to you and try to show them something. So. Um, guess I don't think I'd be the same person if uh, if my mom had never been there or anything like that. You know, she's always been that person that showed me what to do and um, the right path to, to follow. Well, thank you very much. This is Full Circle, 94.1 KPFA. And we've been uh, speaking with Kaleo Kakar, and who has shared... Um, so much of his story with us and some of his good sound too thank you and deep respect to your mother thank you and your family coming up we'll hear from other voices from the poor people's hearing but first nationally known economist and local berkeley professor robert reich reich will tell us a bit about why we need poor people's campaigns in the first place and um apologies for the voice you hear before professor reich weighs in we renew our resolve that america will never be a socialist country Someone should alert Trump that America is now a hotbed of socialism, but it's socialism for the rich. Everyone else is treated to harsh capitalism. In the conservative mind, socialism means getting something for doing nothing. This pretty much describes General Motors' receipt of $600 million in federal contracts, plus $500 million in tax breaks since Trump took office. Some of this corporate welfare has gone into the pockets of GM executives. Chairman and CEO Mary Barra raked in almost $22 million in total compensation in 2017 alone. But GM employees are subject to harsh capitalism. GM is planning to lay off more than 14,000 workers and close three assembly plants and two component factories in North America by the end of 2019. The nation's largest banks saved $21 billion last year thanks to Trump's tax cuts, some of which went into massive bonuses for bank executives. On the other hand, thousands of lower-level bank employees got a big dose of harsh capitalism. They lost their jobs. Banks that are too big to fail, courtesy of the 2008 bank bailout, enjoy a hidden subsidy of some $83 billion a year because they have the backing of the federal government. This hidden subsidy gives Wall Street's giant banks a huge advantage. In 2017, Wall Street's bonus pool was $31.4 billion. So take away the hidden subsidy, and that bonus pool disappears, along with most profits. Trump and his appointees at the Federal Reserve are easing bank requirements put in place after the bailout, but they will make sure the biggest banks remain too big to fail. When he was in business, Trump perfected the art of using bankruptcy to shield himself from the consequences of bad decisions. Socialism for the rich at its worst, while leaving employees twisting in the wind. Now, all over America, 
Executives who run their companies into the ground are getting gold-plated exit packages while their workers get pink slips. Under socialism for the rich, you can screw up big time and still reap big rewards. Equifax's Richard Smith retired in 2017 with an $18 million pension in the wake of a security breach that exposed the personal information of 145 million customers to hackers. Wells Fargo's Carrie Tolstead departed with a $125 million exit package after being in charge of the unit that opened more than 2 million unauthorized customer accounts. Whatever happened to the idea of a meritocracy, an economic system that allows everyone to get ahead through hard work, and economic gains go only to those who deserve them? Around 60% of America's wealth is now inherited. Many of today's super-rich have never done a day's work in their lives. Trump's response has been to expand this divide by cutting the estate tax to apply only to estates valued at over $22 million per couple. Mitch McConnell is now proposing that the estate tax be repealed altogether. To the conservative mind, the specter of socialism conjures up a society in which no one is held accountable and no one has to work for what they receive. Yet that's exactly the society Trump and the Republicans are promoting for the rich. Meanwhile, most Americans are subject to an increasingly harsh and arbitrary capitalism. They need stronger safety nets, and they deserve a bigger piece of the economic pie. If you want to call this socialism, fine. I call it fair. What do you think? Do you think the current system is fair? Let us know in the comments. If you found this video informative, be sure to also watch our video on the seven biggest economic myths. And as always, please subscribe to this channel for more videos like this one. Jim Pugh, who handles press uh, for the California Poor People's Campaign, pointed out to me during the People's Hearing on April 6th that Representative Barbara Lee had just quietly come in and taken her seat along with a few of her aides. She did not speak at the event, but I was able to catch up with her, and she very graciously shared her thoughts at the end of the hearing as she raced toward another engagement. The Reverend Barber, she refers to, is noted civil rights activist Reverend William Barber II, a founder of the Poor People's Campaign nationally. Here's Representative Barbara Lee, California's 13th Congressional District. Well, first of all, this is my district, and I came to listen, and I'm so grateful that my constituents are very engaged in the Poor People's Campaign because since its inception, I've worked at the national level with Reverend Barber and the Poor People's Campaign, and actually I have held hearings on the Hill with Reverend Barber and the campaign, and we have worked on a series of legislative federal strategies that would lift people out of poverty. It is really a shame and disgrace that here in the Golden State of California, our poverty rates are comparable to those in southern states. Here in California, we have opportunity, innovation, investment, 
investments, more so than in the South, and yet our poverty rates are unacceptable. This is a moral issue. I'm on the Appropriations Committee and on the Budget Committee, and my job is to view the budget as a moral document. And so in Washington, D.C., of course, I continue to fight against these immoral Trump budget cuts, but also put forth an agenda which the Poor People's Campaign has laid out to really begin to look at legislative remedies to eliminate poverty. But it's not going to happen without the voices of the people and those who have been impacted. And so today the testimony was powerful, it's real, and I listened so I can take back to my colleagues in Washington, D.C., the issues and the impacts and the tragic circumstances that people live in, in my district and throughout this state. And it's a shame and disgrace. But they have inspired me. They've given me the courage to continue to fight the good fight. And I just want them to know that not only do they have my voice in Congress, but there are many on my task force on poverty and opportunity who are working each and every day to address all the issues that we heard about today and more as it relates to poverty. Poverty, homelessness, and just plain inability to make ends meet are faced by folks of all ages. We've spoken with a relatively young person of age 30, but at and after the people's hearing, I also had the privilege of conversing with Nell Myhand, who is on the California Poor People's Campaign Steering Committee, and Carrie Whiteside, a client at St. Mary's Senior Center. St. Mary's advocates and provides services for local seniors very comprehensively. I came to the Poor People's Hearing because Janie from St. Mary's Center asked me to come and speak about my story. My story is that I live in the Bay Area, which costs $100,000 a year. It's considered low income. My income is $9.51 a month. makes me wonder how I make it. If it wasn't for subsidized housing, I believe I would be living on the streets again. One day I was sadness when I looked outside my window at the homeless encampment. It was stormy and their tents were being blown away. People were chasing them, desperately trying to put them back together. It took me back to when I was homeless. I was staying in Oakland shelter that put us out at 5 a.m. It was also stormy, and I remember the shelter staff laughing at us and making jokes. I walked to the hospital and hoping to get out of the rain, but the security guard ran me out of the lobby. The same thing happened at Burger King. My jacket was soaked all the way through. I was cold all day. There were many days like that I felt hopeless, and my self-esteem was very low. I spend these days upset and confused. I feel so alone. Even house, my life is still challenged. My cash goes to utilities, medical co-pays, medications that are not covered. Also, to washing my clothes and cleaning supplies, transportation. I'm grateful for St. Mary's Center, who helps me when I run out of food every month. Also, I'd like to talk about my living situation, about where I live at. The air quality in my area is really bad. It's a struggle to clean my apartment because of the black soot that gets in from the thousands of cars and trucks that drives on 880 freeway right outside my window. The noise from the trucks that drives on the freeway never stops. What's more disturbing is that it is illegal to drive trucks on 580, which is where more wealthy neighbors live. 
My main transportation is AC. I suffer from chronic pain. And when the bus stop on my route, get moved, it means that I have a longer wait time. I have to walk further, walk. It's very painful when I have to carry heavy groceries. I'm grateful that I live inside now. I feel safe, healthy, and I have peace of mind. I've been involved in Hope and Justice, which is here at St. Mary's uh, 925 Brockhurst. I've also been involved with East Bay Housing Organization. Yes, I, I found out that getting involved gets me out of myself. And instead of being on a, a self-pity mode, I get out of that self-pity. And thanks to Jenny, she taught me that and kind of coached me along about my speeching and everything and talking with other people's. Hi, my name is Nell Myhand, and I'm here at the Poor People's Hearing at Taylor Memorial Church in West Oakland. And I recently joined the Poor People's Campaign as part of the steering committee after a friend invited me to become involved. And she invited me to become involved. I had heard of the Poor People's Campaign because of the work that Reverend Barber has been doing across the country, organizing in different communities and the organizing that he did in North Carolina, the Moral Mondays where people were volunteering to be arrested in support of the demands that they were placing in on the public and elected officials there. So I went to the website and read the demands and I was very impressed with the demands because they're very expansive and inclusive and very thoughtful. I'm still exploring, but, you know, the call for a moral revival of the country seems to be quite in order, given the sad state of affairs that we find ourselves in with so many people living in poverty, so many homeless people. I live here in Oakland in the Glenview District, but I have been homeless myself after being evicted from my home by the Chase Bank a caregiver for my mother for five years before she passed away. And my partner and I lost two-thirds of our income because I was receiving in-home support services for caring for her. And when she passed away, we lost the income that she was receiving, her pensions, and we also lost the income that I was receiving for to care for her. So we needed a loan modification from Chase Bank, but they refused to modify the loan, and it took three years. But eventually, they did get a judgment against me at the hearing that was held, an unlawful detainer hearing, and the judge sided with them and gave us an eviction a date in January of 2013. So my partner went to an assisted living facility because she needed care and I became homeless and I lived in about six places before in 2015 I got invited by an old comrade of mine to live with her after her husband died so I've been living in the Glenview but between 2013 and 2015, I lived in about six different places all over Oakland and a couple of places in Berkeley and found it very frustrating and upsetting and it impacted my health to be homeless. So I've been fortunate that I've been housed the whole time, but even where I'm living now, I don't have a lease. So technically, I'm still homeless. I've been applying for space in senior housing. I'm a 60-year-old lesbian woman, 63 years old on my birthday. And I've been applying for senior housing uh, that's affordable, but the waiting lists are years long. And so the last time I checked, 
at the Altenheim, which is one of the places that I'm on the waiting list, there I was in the 90s. Well, I was like 97th on the list or something like that. So that means that it might be five years or seven years or possibly even 10 years before I can get housed there. And my landlord is 81 years old, and she's been very generous to provide me with an affordable place to live. But I'm worried about what might happen to me if something happens to her. Well, we have an economy that's a wreck because Oakland is the sixth most expensive city to live in in the country. What I'm hoping from the Poor People's Campaign is that I'm hoping to grow the movement of people across the country who are willing to take their power as poor people and as people who have conscience to force change from the public and elected officials here because we have the power of the numbers. We don't have the power of the pocketbook, but we have the power of numbers because so many people are impacted. Welcome back. Those are the voices of Carrie Whiteside and Nell Myhand, uh, both uh, both of whom spoke at the April 6th Poor People's Hearing in Oakland. Both are local community advocates, and they've lived what they're advocating. Up next, a short public service announcement on the upcoming May Day events. Hey, KPFA listeners, May Day is coming also known as International Workers' Day, a day when working people around the world unite to show that they truly have the power to make change. In Oakland, there will be a day of actions, and KPFA will be there. Kicking off May 1st, 10 a.m. till noon, from the Port of Oakland, live on our newly created Facebook page, Pacifica Radio May Day Broadcast. Turn there for updates from around the city, the nation, and the world. Then tune in at 2 p.m. for a live video broadcast from Oscar Grant Plaza in Oakland, featuring activists, organizers, and workers. That's live from the streets May 1st at 2 p.m. on kpfa.org and Facebook, Pacifica Mayday Broadcast. That was our very own Franklin Sterling, Technical Director, First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Thank you, Franklin. Again, everyone, be sure to check out the new Facebook page, Pacifica Radio Mayday Broadcast. There's a lot of information there already. History, art, interviews, actions all around the world. Then, be sure to tune in to our special video broadcast at 2 p.m. on May Day, May 1st on kpfa.org, as well as Pacifica Radio May Day broadcast on Facebook. Now, uh, we've got a tune from Aloe Black. I think we have time for it all. And the tune is, I Need a Dollar, (laughs) Don't We All?
7 p.m. 
Tune in next week as our very own technical director, Free Will and Frank Sterling, takes you on a journey of recovery, one meeting at a time. All of our shows can be found at kpfaapprentice.org, along with links to all that we have covered here tonight. Our executive producer is Ms. M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. I've been your host tonight, Sharon Peterson. All thanks to our fellow apprentice, Stevie G, on the board, and to Shanice, our tech assistant. Stay tuned now for La Onda Bajita. Bajita.